0: It comes out as foolishness and that's what's happening in our world so let's go to the lord in prayer as we pray for our nation lord god we thank you we praise you we thank you that you gave us that we were born or we've come however you got here to this country lord where there are freedoms we are freedom to worship right now lord well, there, if we were in some other countries, what we were doing would be considered illegal and subversive, and we'd be subject to arrest, and this building would be subject to bulldozers. But we thank you for this country and for the knowledge and wisdom of others who founded this country. We pray for our leadership right now, for godly wisdom from the president and his staff, the Supreme Court, our legislature, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, Lord, that godly wisdom will prevail. We pray for our state, that the governor and the, and the state legislature will make wise decisions. We pray for our county and the counties surrounding us, Lord, as they grapple and deal with the issues of COVID and other issues that have come up and racism that have come up in recent weeks. We pray for our city and our mayor and the city council as they make decisions. And then we pray for all the workers who don't really get to make decisions except what's in front of them today. They don't get to make policy. They have to do the policy. And so we pray for them, whether they're an office worker, whether they're a police officer on a beat, the fireman on at the firehouses, Lord, wherever people may be, that they can make godly and wise decisions in each and every thing that they do day to day. And Lord, just teach us as citizens how to pray for them. Teach us how to um, uh, work with them in, in, in a godly way when we have to interact with government officials whether it's at the DMV or the police officer that just pulled us over. But you are the mighty God, and you are sovereign over all this. None of this has happened that has surprised you. So give us godly wisdom and godly knowledge as we move forward. And pray for us at Tower View, Lord, as we make decisions, as we choose things, that we can be your servants. And we pray all this in God. In Jesus Christ, holy and precious name, Lord, amen. So if you're outside and you're listening to this, it, we are streaming on Facebook this morning. So if you want to see my face, you can go to Facebook and pull up the live stream. Um, if you're in here, I suppose you can if you want to, but that'd just be kind of weird. Um, so actually, I'll ask you not because we don't want you to use up the Wi-Fi bandwidth. Um so we, I thank you for, for being here today, and we're, as we continue our sermons today, our sermon series through the book of James, uh, we are continuing, and we're going to be in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. And as I, you know, as we, we, as we do this sermon, I'm, as I'm thinking about this sermon, and my first thought is, you're going to hate this sermon. Why? Because I'm going to tell you to pray for Patience. Yes, that godly attribute that we all joke about that we should never pray for, okay? That one. But patience is more than just a platitude. It's something that we have to have in our life, and we're going to try to get past the platitude today. We're going to try to go and get past where the rubber meets the road. You know, this is a street-level faith. How do we do this each and every day? How do we show patience? And you should desire patience. In the scripture today, as we get, it's going to talk about the patience of Job. And how, think about Job's life, okay? In Job 2 9 and 10, it says this. His, his wife, Job's wife, said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die! Job replied, You speak as a foolish woman. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all this, Job did not sin with what he said. So think about this. Job and his wife, what did they lose? They lost everything. They lost their livelihood. Job and his wife lost their retirement plan. Job and his wife lost all their savings. Their home was destroyed. Job and his wife, they lost their entire family. All their children died all in the span of one day. Talking about a bad day, I've never had that day that's that bad. And then sometime after all this happened, Job got sick with some terrible disease that caused painful boils all over his skin that he couldn't even sit comfortably. He was sitting in ashes because that was the softest thing around. And he took broken pieces of pottery to scratch himself because it itched and hurt so bad. That's, that's the only thing he could really use to relieve some of the pain. What kind of patience did he have? And You see how Job's wife, her patience, how did it react? Her action was curse God and die. That is a lack of patience. Okay, that's a lack of patience, a lack of faith. So we're in Job, and Job. No, we're not. We're in James. Actually, I'm going to refer back to Job later. But we're in James today, verse, chapter five, verses seven to twelve. So if you are able to, where you in the sound of my voice, and you want to stand up, please stand up as we read God's word from James chapter five, verses seven through twelve. And it says this: I am reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, this morning. Therefore. Brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, Take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall into under judgment. Let's pray. Lord God, just help us as we take a few minutes to look at your word this morning that we can see what, you, what James has called us out as brothers and sisters to look out for and to have patience for. You are the mighty God, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our attitudes to what you have us to do, to what you would have us to say, to what you would have us to think. Because you are the mighty God, you are the eternal God, you are the God of our eternal source of salvation, Lord. And so we pray all this in the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Please be seated. So today's big idea is this, the Christian life requires patience. Patience with God, patience with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and patience with yourself. So we're going to look at four areas of life that God will reveal in that will God will reveal your faith and test your patience. So what's the first one? The first one is your faith requires patience with God. Your faith requires patience with God. Normally we don't think that we need to be patient with God, do we? You think are we ever upset with God patient with God? But look at it, It Says that's what he said in verse 7. He says, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and be patient with it until the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. And so this sermon has four areas of points. and, And it's like, well, how did you figure that out? Well, I looked at the verses and four times he says, brothers and sisters. There you go. You got four points. H1, he introduces with brothers and sisters. All right? That's how I came up with four. Real deep theology there. I went to seminary to figure that out. Okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Who is waiting impatiently for the Lord to come back? You know, if you're waiting outside, honk your horn. The doors are propped open. I can hear you. Yeah, see, so we want to hear the Lord's coming. God, please, come back. Well, what's it? The year is 2020, as we count them. This means it's been 2,020 years since Jesus has been born, give or take five years. That means it's been roughly 1,990 years since Jesus rose from the dead. When is Jesus coming back? Why hasn't he returned yet? You know the Islamic faith actually ridicules Christians for believing that Jesus is coming back? It's like, well, why hasn't he come back yet? The unbelieving world dismisses the teaching that Jesus is coming back as fantasy. TV, radio, and internet teachers and preachers abound trying to twist each new political event into the timeline of scriptures as if it makes them holier. Some of these preachers also try to plug in every new kind of technology and try to figure out a way to put them into scripture. So they seem to be smarter. In fact, people have been trying to predict when Jesus is coming back forever. And it's fraught with errors. And it's perilous. How many times in your lifetime have you heard somebody predict Jesus is coming back on a specific date? Too many. Too many. I remember in high school, somebody predicted that. And my youth group studied Revelation quite in detail, twice. And... I remember walking around high school that day, wondering, will this day end? Well, I will go home tonight. Obviously, since I went to high school in the 1980s, Christ didn't come back. (laughs) All right? It didn't happen. Yet. Yet. We are to be patient with Christ's coming. In Jesus' day, do you realize the scribes, many of the scribes memorized the entire Bible, what we now call the Old Testament? They memorized the whole thing. And when the Magi showed up in Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 2, they correctly told the Magi where the Messiah was to be born. They said, where is the king of the Jews? And the scribes said, in, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They were 100% correct. And they were correct and on time. And the Magi went to Bethlehem and found the Messiah. The scribes did not. They did not go to Bethlehem. Why not? We don't know. But yet, the scribes and the disciples who also read prophecies missed a whole bunch of other things. Jesus came to serve, to seek, and to save that which was lost. He did not come to conquer yet. They wanted Jesus to conquer the Romans. Because they read in the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah coming and taking over and, and conquering the world, but God's timing is not the scribes' timing and the disciples' timing. God's timing is not our timing. They did not understand, and you know, what? and there were other scriptures that they didn't even wasn't even on their radar. They did not know that the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. They missed that prophecy. They did not know that the Messiah was going to be a suffering servant. that had to die on the cross. They missed those prophecies. It wasn't even on their radar. They completely glossed over it. It wasn't in any of their prophetic teachings of the end times. They completely missed it. God is not limited by our incomplete understanding of Scripture. So why do you think that the theologians of today will be any more accurate than the scribes and the disciples of Jesus' day? They got some right, they got the timing of others wrong, and they completely missed others. Why will be any different? We need to be patient for the Lord's coming. Trying to predict God is like trying to predict the lottery numbers, the World Series champions, or next week's weather. None of it's happening. No one foresaw the type of Messiah Jesus became. You and I cannot predict the rapture, the millennium, the tribulation, and it's foolish to try. You must wait on God's timing. Be patient. You must wait on God's methods. Be patient. You must wait on God's plan. Be patient. You cannot rush it. You cannot predict it, and you cannot change it. Wait on God. Be patient. And what does it say in verse 8? It says, strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. Or strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. Now, James wrote this. We don't know exactly what year he wrote it, but he probably wrote it before what we now call the year 70. Because in the year 70, Jerusalem was destroyed. And he never talks about Jerusalem in the past tense, and the temple was destroyed. So this has been written over 1,900 years ago. He says the Lord's coming is near. And Paul's teaching, he talks about the Lord's coming is near. God, We can still teach today, the Lord's coming is near. It's nearer today than it was then. You know, you know, I've told somebody recently, as I say, you know, today I'm a day closer to my death than I was yesterday. No matter how old you are. But strengthen your faith. If you cannot wait on God, then your faith needs to be strengthened. If you want to have better patience with God, you need to strengthen your faith. You need to fill your mind with the things of God. That means read the scriptures. That means listen to godly preachers, not teachers who exalt themselves. Read godly, faithful books about scripture, not from authors who want to get rich selling books. Sing the songs and the hymns written by godly, faithful people. Sing them out loud, especially if you have fear and anxiety in your life. Sing them out loud. Sing them when you're at church, sing them when you're at home, sing them when you're in the car, out loud. Take all your cares to God in prayer. Give God the thanksgiving and praise he deserves in prayer. Live your life God's way, not the world's way. Pray that you can patiently wait for God's future. Prophecy prophecy in Scripture is sometimes vague. Be satisfied with God knowing all the details, and you don't. Prophecy in Scripture does not have dates. Be satisfied that God knows the dates, and you don't. Prophecy is meant for the future. Be satisfied with what God has given you today. Strengthen your faith by reading scripture for yourself, not just depending on others, including me, to tell you everything. Check out the scriptures for yourself. When me or Darren preaches, check out what we read. Ask us questions. Ask us hard questions if you need to. You got the bulletin, you got our website. You can email us, you can call us, you can text us, you can show up and set up an appointment. Ask us hard questions. Che- and, and one thing I tell my classes when I teach, there is no question that's out of bounds. There is no question that's out of bounds. And sometimes you may ask me a question and I say, I don't know. I'm not afraid to admit, I don't know. Check out scripture when some when someone tells you a thing. Trust God above modern day prophets. So your faith requires patience with God. Pray that you can be satisfied with today. Pray that you can patiently wait for God. The second area of life where God will reveal your faith and test your patience is that your faith requires patience with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verse 9. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. Think about that picture that we always see that's from Revelation. It says, Jesus knocking at the door. And we always think about it in terms of salvation. Here, the picture's different. Jesus is at the door knocking. He's coming as a judge. Because of you've been complaining about your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this isn't the first time James does this. Flip back to chapter 1 of James. In chapter 1, verse 21, it says this. Therefore ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humble, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Complaining is moral filth. Complaining about your brothers and sisters in Christ is moral filth. And you're not being doers of the word. Down in chapter 1, verse 26, it says, If anyone thinks his re- He is religious without controlling his tongue. His religion is useless and he deceives himself. Complaining is a work of your tongue. In chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, blessings and cursings come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening think about that we just sing praises to god together and now we're going to with that same mouth we're going to bad mouth somebody in next to you one of your brothers and sisters in christ this should not be chapter 4 verses 11 and 12 don't criticize one another brothers and sisters Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Be patient on God. God's judgment will come in God's time. Not yours. Be patient and wait on God. Be patient and deal with others in the way that Scripture told us to deal with them. How does Scripture tell us to deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Patiently, right? In Galatians 5, Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Which of these do you bear when you're complaining about another church member? I have never been in a church yet where I have not heard the phrase, Did you see what she's wearing? <laughs> I've been in many churches in my life, in many different cities and states, from one of different places I've lived. I have yet to not hear that phrase. Sometimes it's what, you know, what, did you see what he's wearing? You know, and a guy wears shorts or something, you know, yeah, Jeff, did you know the preacher wore shorts last week (gasps) while he was preaching outside, before he got into the van to drive for seven hours, yeah, usually it's the youth minister that wears shorts and wears something really weird, you know, Um, but that's complaining people, because are you talking to the person, No, you're talking about them to others. That's the definition of a complaint, is you're not talking to them about, you know, in compassion. You're talking about them. Also in Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists the works of the flesh. Some of them are strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy. That's where the complaining is. It's in that category. When you complain about your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are bearing the poison that is the works of the flesh, not the sweet taste of the fruit of the Spirit. Think about it. When you complain about another, that is poison in the church instead of the wholesomeness that is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, By definition, all of us Christians are hypocrites because ain't none of us able to keep the Ten Commandments all the time, every day, including me. But we are saved by the grace and mercy of God the Father through the work of Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Who are you to complain about petty junk about God's elect children? Who are you to judge but I know somebody's gonna say, but, 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 Pastor, do you know what they did to me? <laughs> Here's my response So what? So what they said something nasty about you? So what that, that they cheated you? Forgive them. That is your call as in Christ. Forgive them. How many times have you wronged God? He has forgiven you. He has shown you patience and grace and mercy. God is patient with you. You are to be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have a valid issue, a sin that must be addressed, then patiently follow the example written in Scripture. Excuse me. Look at Matthew chapter 18. It tells us how to address our brothers and sisters in Christ when a wrong has been done. I'm not going to get into it. Go read it for yourself. We've talked about it in other sermons, and Darren has. Paul says in Galatians 6, when you approach a brother and sister, do it in all gentleness, lest you fall into the same temptation. Complaining is not gentle. Complaining is not addressing sin in a godly way. Complaining is judging your neighbor, and in Matthew chapter seven, and during the Sermon on the Mount, where it says, "You know, don't judge. You know, look for the speck in the other person's eye and the log, not the log in your own." eye. He said also, "said If you judge, you will be judged in the same way, in the same manner." James reminds us that you that. James here reminds you that Jesus is standing at your door to judge your complaining attitude. Therefore, be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ. God is working in them just like he is working on you. Has God got all the sin out of your life yet? And he doesn't work us all in the same speed or in the same order. He may be working on a, a sin in your life, but he hasn't started working on this, that, that same sin in the other person's life yet because there's some other thing that they have to work on. I have been following Christ as best I can since I've been a child. I, I don't remember not following Christ, even as a kid. I remember as a kid going to church and leaving my mom at home and not just riding the church bus. I walked down the street. It was a block, the church was a block away. In high school, I got rides from the neighbors and went to church because I couldn't drive yet. I went to church without my mother. But yet God was working on sin in my life then, as a teenager, as a kid, and he's still working on sin in my life as a person who has passed a half a century. It's like, God, still? Really? Yes. You're not done yet. So stop complaining to everyone else. That is the opposite of taking your cares to God in prayer. Pray for wisdom when you deal with others. Pray for patience when dealing with others. Confess your sin instead of complaining to another person, you go to confess your sins to them. Pray that you that they are patient with you. James does not specifically mention patience in this verse, but since he mentioned patience four times in the surrounding verses, I'm going to apply it here. I am going... So pray that you will be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray that your brothers and sisters in Christ will be patient with you and all your quirks and maladies and foibles that you have and the sins in your life. It's a two-way street. So your faith requires patience with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The third area of life where God will reveal your faith and test your patience is this. Your faith and patience are benefited by the examples of the Old Testament prophets. But pastor, being patient is hard! How can God expect me to be patient? It's humanly impossible! To be patient. Well, what's it say in verse 10 and 11? Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance, and you have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So when you say being patient is impossible, I say your argument is invalid. You are wrong. Why? Because God gave us the Old Testament prophets, and I'd say the New Testament apostles, as examples of patience. Now you look at Jonah, he's a negative example. He, didn't follow, he wasn't very patient with God. But Job, Jeremiah, Elijah are example of Godly patience. Moses had to learn it. He was very impatient when he killed the Egyptian, but after he spent 40 years out in the wilderness being a shepherd, he learned patience so that he could spend another 40 years leading Israel. So he learned patience. You too can learn patience. Job had his life turned upside down. His life went from wonderful to terrible. How did he respond? Well, we saw how he responded to his wife. But I want to to take you to one of his prayers. So if you read the book of Job, I want you to, as you read it, um, I'm going to go to Job chapter 30, verse 20, and read a little bit of one of his prayers. But as you read it, compare and contrast how Job's friends talked about God and how Job talked to God. God. Even though his friends were there, most of the time he is talking to God. And this is a part of one of Job's prayers. In Job chapter 30, verse 20, he says, I cry out to you, that's Job crying out to God, I cry out to you for help, but you do not answer. When I stand up, you merely look at me. You have turned against me with cruelty. You harass me with your strong hand. He's talking to God here about God. You lift me up in the wind and make me ride it. You scatter me in the storm. Yes, I know that you will lead me to death, the place place appointed for all who live. It's like, that's a prayer to God. What did it say back in chapter 2? It says, in all Job's words, he did not sin. At the end of Job, it says, God talked to Job's friends. And he says, you guys need to go take offerings. Go back to Job so he can pray for you because he's the righteous one. You guys aren't. So you go through and read Job's prayers and see how he talks to God. And God did chastise him a little bit when God did speak, but it wasn't counted as him a sin. And God blessed him in the latter part of his life. Job's wealth is gained back. He fathered a new family. God bless Job's patience and faithfulness. Jeremiah is called a weeping prophet because it seems like no one ever listens to him. As you read through Jeremiah, his sermons are burned when he wrote them down. He's thrown into a mud pole up to his armpits. He is placed in the stocks and publicly ridiculed. He is slapped by another so-called prophet in public. Yet he never stops preaching God's word. He never stops writing down God's words. So read Job, read Jeremiah, read how the prophets waited on God. Read how Jeremiah spoke of a future that he would never see. You too can speak of God with the confidence that the prophets spoke to. And you can talk to your friends, your family, your co-workers, your neighbors, Read the prophecies of Isaiah, of those prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came. Other prophecies are still waiting to be fulfilled, and none of them were filled during Isaiah's lifetime. He had to wait. Be patient as the prophets were. Pray that you can be as patient as Jeremiah, as Isaiah, as Job. Your faith and patience are benefited by the examples of Old Testament prophets. The fourth area of life where God will reveal your faith and test your patience is this. Your faith requires patience with your words. The ones that come out of your mouth. Look at verse 12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Hopefully these words sound familiar. Jesus said the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. James already mentioned stuff like this. We read some of those. In James 3, 8, he said, But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's image. Your words and your honesty matters. Your words and your is your bond to God and to others. Your word is how you measures how your integrity. How, how, mm, mm. Your word is how integrity is measured before God and others. Deception is wrong, even deception by silence. Deception is so wrong; it's one of the Ten Commandments. The ninth commandment in Exodus chapter twenty, verse sixteen, it says, "Do not give false testimony against your neighbor." In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to God and the church and they fell down dead on the spot. We want people to believe us so bad. We want to be trusted so bad that we spout stupid nonsense and say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. All right? We want to be, we try to shortcut it We say other things like, I swear on my mother's grave. Okay? That's just silly stuff. We're trying to shortcut things because we're impatient. Building trust with another person is like trying to fill up a barrel of water one teaspoon at a time. It takes a long time. We try to rush it. People rush relationships and get married way too soon. They they find out their spouse is some god-awful person, but they were in such a rush to do it, they didn't find that out. We rush into business deals. We rush into jobs. And and any other area in life. We need to slow down. We need to be patient. People are in such a rush to trust someone without taking the time to really learn about one another. When we swear, and I'm not talking, this isn't talking about cuss word swear. This is taking an oath type of swearing. And it's swearing on other things. This is not to say, I, I, took an, I, to, I swore, I took an oath when I became a chaplain, an officer in the United States Army. My officers in of the United States have to take an oath. It's a promise. But it's, I, that promise has to stand. I have to follow what I said there. If I don't, I will come under judgment. I could come under judgment by our own laws, or by God, or both. Ask God to give you patience as you get to know someone. It could be a coworker, It could be a dating prospect. It could be a new person at church, or a new neighbor. Ask God to give you wisdom and patience with your words, because your faith requires patience with your words, with your life. So we have looked at four areas of life that God reveals your faith and tests your patience. Your faith requires patience with God and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your faith and patience are benefited by the examples that we read in Scripture. Your your faith requires patience with your words. The Bible repeatedly speaks of patience, endurance, perseverance as signs of salvation. These are not just platitudes. These are descriptions of how you are to live your life out each and every day. What you should do. So pray for patience. Pray for endurance. Pray for perseverance. If you want to walk closer to God, if you want to be more godly, if you want to take a new step of faith, then pray that you can be patient with God about the future. Pray that you can be patient with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray that you can be patient like the prophets and apostles of scriptures. Pray that you can be patient with yourself and with your words. But above all, just pray for patience. So let's pray. Lord God, We just thank you and we praise you for all your blessings. Sometimes we're ungrateful about your blessings and we fail to be thankful. That's not very patient of us. Lord, you are the mighty God. Help us to be your servant. Help us to be patient with one another and with ourselves and with you because you're the sovereign God. You have this all under control. We have an eternity with you. This world is temporary. This world is short. But with you, we have an eternity. Help us to see the big picture of life. You are the mighty God, Lord. We just pray all this in Jesus Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.